0: All right. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, Welcome to the Time for More Injury Funding podcast, podcast for all who want to learn about legal funding and its significance in the personal injury slip and falls, workplace injuries, and many other types of law practice domains. I'm your host, Laura, founder and CEO of More Injury Funding, the legal funding counselors with a passion for law, medicine, legal funding, and all suffering individuals. More Injury Funding is a sponsor, member, associate, or business partner of this podcast, Academy of Truck Accident Attorneys, Sandy Springs Bar Association, Georgia Association of Prolegals, atlanta legal aid society state bar of georgia and georgia hispanic chamber of commerce in today's episode we have a very special guest doctor of neurology robert baschuk as the medical director of the um, concussion center dr baschuk utilizes his over 35 years of board certified clinical expertise to accurately diagnose mild traumatic brain injuries tbis also known as concussions Uh, while attending medical college of georgia dr baschuk became fascinated with neurology and the multifaceted nature of the brain a georgia native um, and avid sports fan dr Bashik, is especially keen on properly diagnosing the unique brain injuries for each patient he believes compassion and respect for each patient's unique circumstances and injury should be at the center of diagnostics and recovery Without any further ado, let me introduce Dr. Robert Bashir. Well, welcome to It's uh, Time for More Injury Funding, Doctor.
1: Good morning. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. All right. So, can you please, Doctor, explain um, or define, rather, what is concussion? How can you explain how concussion is diagnosed?
1: So, a concussion is a traumatic brain injury uh, that is the direct, a uh, person will have a blow to either the head, neck, or their body and this results in a, a force that is transmitted to the brain. So that, that's the general definition. And then what happens after that is you have uh, two phases. You have an excitation phase, and then you have a depression phase. And what happens is when someone is is hit, whether again, whether it's the head, the neck, or the body, and that's an important uh, point, is that you don't have to hit your head to have a concussion. It can be the neck or the body. But basically what happens is there is this excitation phase where all of these neurons suddenly fire at one time. Normally, uh, neurons follow, have a pattern. So if I'm gonna lift up my right arm, the neurons that are involved in lifting that that right arm are only ones that fire. But with a concussion, all all these neurons fire at the same time. and, And that results in an individual having loss of consciousness This can result in them seeing stars. This is when you you see this person who's stumbling or confused. And that typically lasts for anywhere from a few seconds up to a a few minutes. Mm -hmm. And then that resolves. And then what happens is you have a a depression of the neurons. They they stop working as well as they should because the uh, production of something called ATP is reduced and that will that causes the symptoms that uh, tend to occur after the initial injury
0: okay and so back to our question how how concussion is diagnosed
1: so basically a concussion
0: you have to have
1: a mechanism of injury and then you have to have symptoms or signs consistent uh, with a concussion and the the symptoms and signs are typically an individual who is uh, confused dazed unsteady, wobbly, dizzy, anybody with loss of consciousness, that by definition is a concussion, but you also can have these other symptoms that will occur.
0: Okay. And what is an acceleration-deceleration injury, and how does it lead to a concussion?
1: So the vast majority of concussions are what what are known as acceleration-deceleration injuries, and you can think about it best as someone's in a like a car wreck, a motor vehicle accident, where say they're rear-ended and their head is thrown forward and backwards, that's a, a typical example of an acceleration deceleration injury. But it can also occur if you have a slip and fall injury. It can occur if somebody is assaulted. So that the, the the it's the movement of the brain inside the skull, the acceleration, deceleration, what causes the concussion, and that affects the neurons. It causes the stretching and shearing of the neurons, and that's what pro- produces the concussion. It's not the what used to be called a coup, contra coup injury. Mm-hmm. It's more acceleration, deceleration.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you, Dr. Barshaka, elaborate on the force required to cause a concussion?
1: So to have a concussion does require a significant force. And there's uh, linear and rotational forces. And it's easier to talk about the linear forces. There's more known about them. But to give you an example, a motor vehicle accident, uh, I'm sorry, a motor vehicle crash at 30 miles per hour, is a, that's a force of about 60 Gs. Mm-hmm. If you sneeze, that's about a force of 4.5 G's. Oh wow! A concussion requires seventy to one hundred um, and twenty G's, and most people, if they get into the ninety range, are, that's that's the typical force that you see to cause a concussion. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And how does the force of a motor vehicle accident, let's say at thirty miles per hour, compare to the force needed to cause a concussion?
1: So. Again, 30 miles per hour is basically the force that is going to, uh, where your airbag should deploy. And again, that's going to be a 60G force. Mm-hmm. So you, you typically need a little bit more to uh, actually cause a concussion.
0: Okay. So is it true that approximately 77% of football collisions are below 30G? So that,
1: that is absolutely correct. So basically, you know, football which gets a lot of publicity for concussions. Um, The um, number of collisions in football that actually cause a concussion represent about Mm 0.02%. So it actually is very, very small number of hits in football that will cause a concussion. And yes, 77% of uh, hits in football are below 30 Gs.
0: Mm -hmm. And after a concussion, what actually happens to the energy level in the brain?
1: So when you have that initial trauma and the neurons, they stretch, they're shearing forces that occur. um, This results in what's known as a neurometabolic cascade. And basically the pathophysiology is there is a leakage of ions after this injury where potassium leaks out and sodium and and calcium leak into the cell. This calcium goes into the mitochondria and everybody remembers from uh, high school biology that the mitochondria are the powerhouse of the cell. They're the lungs of the cell. They're the part of the cell that produces the chemical ATP and ATP is produced in every cell and allows us to function This calcium damages the mitochondria, and that results in a 20% drop in energy production in the brain, and this produces a lot of symptoms, headaches, dizziness, memory loss, and this drop in energy will last for approximately four to six weeks.
0: That long, okay. What are the typical symptoms a patient has after a concussion? What is a typical time course for for resolution of these symptoms? And what is post-concussion syndrome? So
1: basically, the common symptoms of a concussion include headaches, dizziness, memory loss, brain fog, anxiety, irritability, and sleep disorders. And a person may have one or two or have all of those symptoms. The typical time course is uh, most people, 70% of people will improve in about a month. And there will be about 30% of people whose symptoms will persist longer than a month. And these individuals are what what are called post-concussion syndrome. And it depends on what literature you're looking at, but post-concussion syndrome Uh, some people define it as going after three months. Some people is after one month and and some after two weeks, but I think one month or three months, I usually use three months actually Mm -hmm. for post-concussion syndrome and, and post-concussion syndrome, the name is actually changed to persistent concussion symptoms, Mm -hmm. but both of them still are PCS. (laughs) So it works. It still works.
0: And uh, what are the implications of a concussion being a temporary energy deficit for the patient's recovery and rehabilitation?
1: So again, with this drop in ATP production by the mitochondria as a result of this calcium influx, this temporary energy deficit will last four to six weeks. And, you know, the, the concussion is basically over at that point. Now, a person can have prolonged symptoms for other reasons, but the temporary energy deficit generally resolves itself in four to six weeks. The one one of the problems is with the temporary energy deficit is if you were to go back and have a concussion again before the deficit has corrected, that can result in an additional. drop in energy production, and that can result in a severe brain injury. And that that is also known as a second impact syndrome. So one of the problems is a lot of times symptoms may actually improve in two or three weeks before the energy deficit has corrected itself. So you have to be very careful about people returning to uh, sport
0: uh, too soon. Mhm mhm and what is the role of rest after a concussion
1: so for years and years and years everybody was told that you need to rest after a concussion mm-hmm. that is the absolute wrong thing to do mm-hmm. what we recommend now is what's called relative rest or 48 hours you do not want to be a cocoon mm-hmm. you want to be active in those first 2 days you should have what's called relative rest You you can do activities that don't exacerbate any symptoms. So you can sit and have dinner with your family. You can get on the phone. You can do a little computer work if you want to. You don't have to completely avoid screens. We tend to recommend a reduction in use of screens for about 48 hours. But after that, it should be fine unless it were to exacerbate symptoms. And so... The, the mantra now is exercise is medicine, and that is what we do here at the concussion center. We, we, we have everybody uh, begin to exercise, but the exercise has to be done in a very special way. This is not, I've had a concussion, and three days later, I'm going to go run five miles. That is not recommended. The exercise has to be done in a very specific way.
0: Interesting. Talking about exercise, what is the role of exercise in concussion management?
1: So basically, what we do is uh, what's known as the Buffalo Concussion Treadmill Test or the Buffalo Concussion Bike Test. And this test, even though it's a test, this is our centerpiece for managing people with concussions. And this was designed at the University of Buffalo by a, a Dr. John Letty and a, a Dr. Barry Willer. And this buffalo concussion treadmill test is done for 20 to 30 minutes and it's all related to a person's heart rate mm-hmm. and you you we, you have a heart rate uh, based on your age and we will have you walk and again, you only walk on the treadmill. There's no running on the treadmill mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You walk on the treadmill for a certain period of time, and we try to find out where do you have a symptom exacerbation. And then we determine uh, what the heart rate is, when that exacerbation occurs. Then we take that number. I usually reduce it by about 15. And then we actually show you how to do the treadmill test yourself or the bike test. Mm -hmm. And you do it at home. And you do that four to five times a week. You come back, we'll do it again at the lower heart rate. And then we gradually, over several weeks to several months, get that heart rate higher. And basically, anytime we'll, we'll allow a, a mild symptom exacerbation, we won't allow a significant symptom exacerbation. And doing that helps correct the autonomic nervous system, which is often uh, affected in someone who's had a concussion. Mm -hmm. So the Buffalo Concussion Treadmill Test helps improve uh, neuronal activity, uh, cortical connectivity. It helps uh, cerebral blood flow, the autonomic nervous system, and something called neurovascular coupling. It basically makes the brain work a whole lot better. And it corrects a lot of the deficits that occur when someone has a concussion.
0: So when you mentioned uh, working out at home, is that just a simple bike that people use at home?
1: So a lot of people obviously do have a treadmill at home or a bike at home. And, and a lot of people belong to a gym. And so the the treadmill test, actually, you want to try to keep it in the heart rate zone for at least 20 minutes. The bike, you want to do it for 30 minutes. We always do the treadmill or the bike test here first so that we can tell you what your heart rate goal should be. Mm -hmm. And then we gradually um, increase that heart rate based on what symptoms that you're having. And then once you get to the original goal, most people's symptoms uh, typically will go away. And again, the treadmill test, I would say, helps about 80 to 85% of people. It doesn't help everybody. So not everybody who has a concussion has autonomic nervous system abnormalities. So that's a person who actually would come here and they get to their heart rate goal right away. Then their problems are due to other things. It may be ocular vestibular. It may be cervical. It could be hormonal. So there are other things that, that will need to be evaluated as well.
0: Okay. And Dr. Bashuk, you may have touched on this already, but how did the BCTT, which is the Buffalo Concussion Treadmill or Bike Test, BCBT, emerge as evidence-based treatment for concussion?
1: So basically, uh, again, this was done at the University of Buffalo, and they had people, again, uh, post-concussion syndrome, Mm -hmm. had people that were not getting better, and they couldn't figure out how to to help these people that had symptoms for two months, six months, a year. So they said, let's try exercise. Mm -hmm. And so they found a, it came out of the cardiology literature, a very safe protocol to do treadmill tests on individuals after they've had a heart attack. And so they started using it and they only did it on people who had symptoms for a very prolonged period of time. And all of a sudden they got better. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they shortened the time. So instead of people who had symptoms for three months, they did one month and people got better. And then they went down to two weeks and people got better. And now you can start doing the Buffalo Concussion treadmill Test actually on day three after an accident.
0: That's wonderful. Can you discuss the importance of a growth mindset in the context of concussion care?
1: So the Buffalo Concussion Treadmill Test is a great example of the growth mindset because for years and years, it was all about rest, rest, rest. And right now, the standard of care is clearly exercise. And you you have to get out of the rest mindset or the fixed mindset and get into a growth mindset. And growth mindset basically is your ability, your willingness to learn. Mm-hmm. So you 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 know if you're fixed in a certain uh, thought process and you don't want to change and there are things that are better, then you you need the growth mindset. So it, it's the person who you know didn't want to have a cell phone. So you know pretty much everybody has a cell phone because it's it's so easy. It's easy to communicate. There's lots of information um, with that. So you have to you have to grow. And, and the growth mindset and everything now about concussion is you need a growth mindset. The patients need a growth mindset. They have to want to get better. And and quite frankly, the way a concussion patient gets better is they have to do the work. They have to be committed. To doing the Buffalo concussion treadmill test. And once they're committed and they're willing to learn and realize that exercise uh, rest is not the thing that you want to do. that exercise is how you get better. Once they're committed to that, once they realize that, then they will that they will definitely improve significantly faster.
0: Like with any kind of recovery, um, I'm sure there are some challenges in in this testing as well. So what what are some of the challenges faced in implementing the BCTT in concussion management?
1: So some of the challenges are, you know, do you have a treadmill? Do you have access to a treadmill either at home or at a gym or a family member? Do do you have, um, you know, people generally aren't going to go out and buy one just because of this. And generally, most people, when they do this test, the treadmill test or the bike test, most of them are going to do it for two to three months. And four, that's four to five times a week. So, you know, if you don't have one, then, then what do you do? So you can walk. Um, walking is good. Uh, you have to have you need a heart rate monitor. The problem with walking is, is the weather can prevent you from doing that. Also, we live in Atlanta, which has a lot of hills, so there's a lot of up and down. And what we really want is consistent consistency, uh, and that's provided with the treadmill or the bike. And the other thing is if you're out walking, you know, if your neighbor stops you, well, then you, you stop doing it. And you really want the 20 minutes on the treadmill or 30 minutes on the bike. So it it's uh, the the other uh, challenge sometimes is, the person who has an ankle injury or a knee injury or a hip injury, uh, they may have difficulty doing the treadmill. And obviously, we don't want to exacerbate some other injury trying to do this. So sometimes we have to wait a significant period of time until their back is better, their knee is better, their ankle is better.
0: And Dr. Bashuk, you had mentioned headache as one of the side effects of concussion. Can you elaborate on the three-pronged approach to treating post-traumatic headaches?
1: So headaches is probably the most common thing that occurs after a concussion. Mm-hmm. Probably affects 90% of the patients who have a concussion. And so what I try to do is a, th- a three-pronged approach to treat these headaches. So the Buffalo Concussion treadmill or Bike Test, that helps correct autonomic nervous system dysfunction, which is a big cause of headaches. If the blood flow to the brain is not um, controlled properly, then that can certainly cause headaches and the treadmill test can be very helpful for headaches. We all often use something called a CGRP uh, medication. And these have been around since about 2018. You may have uh, seen these on television this is the NERTEC, the Ubrelvi, the Amivig, and There's about 10 of them now. And after a, um, what people who have headaches, their CGRP levels are often elevated. And these drugs drop the CGRP levels and help with headaches. We've had a lot of success using these types of drugs uh, for headaches. And then we have something else that we use. It's called Nerivio. Which is N E R I V I O, and this is what's known as a neuromodulating device that you wear on your arm, and it's kind of like uh, years ago people would have the little iPod and they would run with it and they wrap it around their arm. This kind of this kind of does the same thing. You wrap it around your arm, and you you can wear a short sleeve shirt and cover it. And basically, you get a little electrical. St- it's similar to a Tinge unit, but it's different. Mm-hmm. And it works on what's known as the descending pain pathway. And so a lot of people don't want to take medications. So this Neurivio is a neuromodulating device that you can wear. You wear it for 45 minutes. And you can use it acutely. So when you have a headache, or you can also use it preventatively, which would be every other day. And you can, when you wear it, you can do anything you want to. A lot of times we'll have people come and do the treadmill test or bike test, and we have them wear the Narivio at the same time. Mm-hmm. But if you do it at home, then you can, uh, you know, while you're cooking dinner, while you're watching television, you could wear it at work. Nobody can see it. You feel it, but it's very mild, and you can basically do any activity that you want. So that's that's the three, three-pronged approach. We The treadmill test helps with blood flow. The CGRP drugs reduced CGRP levels, and the Neurivio is a neuromodulating device that helps with headaches.
0: And doctor, you've been practicing neurology for over 35 years, and I'm sure you have so many stories with patients. But could you share some of of those stories who have been, you know, or who benefited from the BCTT test?
1: Well, we have a lot of people who have had symptoms for, you know, years. Mm -hmm. And they never done any type of treatment for it, and you know that that's another um, misnomer is that there's no treatment for concussion. There's actually a lot of treatment for concussion, and so once we get people started on the exercise program, then you um, about eighty percent of them see a dramatic change, and many people are able to return to work and return to normal activities. Mm-hmm. So th- that is actually much more common th- than the opposite. So there, the, the, everybody um, sees a benefit. The other thing about the treadmill test is it is just good for you. Mm-hmm. It's good from a cardiovascular standpoint. It is um, so easy on your knees, your ankles, your hips, your back that a lot of people um, will continue to do it after they finish the treatment here. A lot of times I'll say medically, you know, you passed the, uh, the, the the test. You're good. You've been doing it now for three months. You can stop. Your heart rate is where we want it to be when you exercise uh, from a medical standpoint, you can stop, but if you want to continue doing it, then that's fine because it's just very good for you. And, a lot of people do do continue.
0: And is this Buffalo concussion treadmill uh, test? Is it uh, only available at the concussion center at your clinic, or is it uh, widely spread throughout different healthcare uh, systems? So I
1: I think we're the only physician practice in in Georgia that does it. I'm, I may not be totally right on that, but I don't know of anybody else that's doing it.
0: And how can healthcare, other healthcare professionals incorporate the BCTT into their practice?
1: Well, the beauty of this is it actually is pretty simple, okay? You, you, you just have to know the heart rate parameters. And so I, I like to take a 20-year-old because this is actually, uh, the math is very simple. So you take, uh, what you do is you take the number 220 and you subtract your age. Mm -hmm. so if you take a 20 year old obviously 220 minus 20 is 200 then you multiply that by 0.7 and Mm 0.8 which comes out their heart rate goal is 140 to 160. now if you're an elite athlete then you do uh, 0.8 to Mm 0.9 but you take a a, most most regular people people. (laughs) and so their heart rate goal when we start them on the treadmill, it's going to be 140 to 160. If you're older, that goal is going to be lower. And so we get that person on the treadmill and they start walking on the treadmill. And we, we raise the incline on the treadmill one degree every minute until we get them into the heart rate zone that we're looking for. Once you get there, you keep them there for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And what typically happens after a concussion is a person is not able to get to their heart rate goal because of the concussion mm-hmm. because they have autonomic nervous system dysfunction. So let's let's say this person uh, had an exacerbation of symptoms at a heart rate of 135. What I would do at that point is I would tell this individual, you need to go home. We're going to show you exactly what to do on the treadmill, but you're going to walk on the treadmill, And your heart rate goal is now 135 minus 15. So that would be 120 to 135. They would do the treadmill test themselves four to five times a week. And then we would bring them back and we would do it at 120 to 135. And if they're committed and they're doing it, then generally they're going to do quite well. And at that point, I send them home again to continue doing it but now the heart rate goal was gonna be 125 to 140. Mm -hmm. And we keep going back and forth because once we get to 140 to 160 and they basically don't have an exacerbation of symptoms, then most of their symptoms actually have resolved and their autonomic nervous system is functioning properly.
0: That makes sense. And what future developments do you foresee in the field of concussion management and how might the BCTT adapt to these changes?
1: I don't know if the BCTT is gonna change any. I think one of the things that we're looking for is are there some biomarkers that we can use to help uh, diagnose concussion? Right now, there are two biomarkers that are approved by the FDA. Uh, One is called GFAP, which is gliofibrillary acidic protein. And the other one is ubiquitin carboxyl hydrolase, UCH L1. And these two proteins can be measured in the blood, but the problem is it, there's a very very short window, and so these have to be done typically 12 hours after a concussion, and that make that makes it very very difficult to to get that done. So a lot of people, you know, may not get to the hospital. The hospital may not be able to do the test. Most people don't know about the test. Um, so th- that w- we need something that, you know, a week later or a month later uh, that we can use to be to, to, to better diagnose it.
0: So let's say if somebody was involved in a car crash or trucking accident and they've been taken to the emergency room would the emergency room physician automatically uh, perform this test the this, this specific uh, protein test uh, to, to determine whether you know concussion was, was was took place
1: So right now I don't know of any hospital that does this mm-hmm. uh, We have spoken to Piedmont, I know they're looking into it, but um, the it, it's not happening at this time.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. How does uh, the BCTT align with the principles of the grow, growth mindset in healthcare?
1: So, uh, again, the growth mindset is your willingness to learn. Um, you may have the, – the subject may be difficult, but you have to have the, the, the positive focus – is, yes, this is difficult, but I'm going to learn it, and I'm going to understand it. And getting out of the rest as a form of treatment for concussion and getting into the exercise as the proper way to get better, uh, that is clearly a growth mindset. And once you get that growth mindset, it just changes your whole attitude about things.
0: And uh, just as much as there are um, advantages uh, to the BCTT test, I'm sure there are some challenges. And what are some of these challenges uh, related to this test and how they can be addressed?
1: Well, again, the challenges have a lot to do with um, access to the treadmill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so- sometimes we people people have asked about, is there something else that they could do and again we talked about walking earlier um you you can use a roller you can use an ergometer if, if you have that available um but but the main issue really is getting access to the treadmill
0: and i have a very interesting question um related to gender uh, is are there concussion differences in men versus women
1: so there actually are differences in men and women it's a very interesting topic women actually have more concussions than men hmm. if you consider the same sport. Now obviously men are going to have concussions in football not a lot of women play football, but if you take uh, the same sport, women actually have more concussions than men do and one of the we don't know exactly why but three possible explanations it could be hormonal uh you know the estrogen progesterone, women have more of that than men the size of your neck may matter so men tend to have bigger necks women have smaller necks and what that means is when there's this traumatic event their their head may move more there may be may be more acceleration deceleration than with men mm-hmm. and then the other thing that i think is really important is I think women tend to tell the truth more so than the men. So I I think, you know, there may be a hormonal aspect. It may be the size of the neck, and it may be that women tell
0: the truth. I love it. Are there brain imaging studies that diagnose a concussion?
1: So there are absolutely no brain imaging studies that diagnose concussion. CAT scans and MRIs are almost always normal. And I I hear this all the time, that my uh, I had a CAT scan and it showed I had a concussion. No, it did not. Mm Okay, The CAT scan was normal. The physician that you saw in the emergency room thinks you had a concussion, but your CAT scan was normal. The the CAT scan is going to show if there's been any bleeding in the brain, if there's been a skull fracture, um, but almost always they're normal. And we get these to make sure there's not been some underlying injury that that you can't see.
0: And what are some common myths about concussion overall?
1: So one, one uh, myth is you, you have to hit your head to have a concussion. You absolutely do not have to hit your head to have a concussion. Again, most people with a concussion have hit their head, but there are plenty of times where you didn't hit your head and you can have a concussion again that's the motor vehicle accident um this is the football player who um you know gets tackled and especially like the quarterback when he goes back to pass and he gets blindsided what does his head do it goes forward and backwards or sideways again that's an acceleration deceleration injury um so so that's that's one myth um you, another myth is you see stars every time. Absolutely not. Some people do, but you don't have to see stars to, to have a concussion. Uh, there's no treatment available for concussion. There is lots of treatment available for concussion. There is Obviously, there's the Buffalo concussion treadmill and bike test. There is vestibular therapy. There is ocular therapy. Uh, there's cervical therapy uh, on your neck. So there's lots of therapy. And another th- therapeutic thing that we see that, that benefits people is education, just understanding what happened, that this is a real injury. You can't see it, but it's there. And the symptoms that you're having are you're not crazy. I mean, this is real. So and the, the other thing is, and the biggest thing is what we've already talked about: exercise. Mm-hmm. Exercise done in the right way is how you will get
0: better. So don't, don't forget to work out, always. <laughs>
1: well, having said that, there's no question that people who, who are in better shape tend to do better. Mm-hmm. And their mitochondrias work better. They handle energy better. And if you have underlying abnormalities, the concussion sometimes just brings it out. So if you have a lot of anxiety or depression, um, concussion, can bring that out. And you, know, you may have been able to handle it, uh, but once the concussion hits, it just opens it up. I had somebody a couple of months ago who, who had significant family issues, anxiety issues, but she said, you know, I was able to handle that. But once I had this concussion, I just couldn't handle it anymore. And she was having serious issues with anxiety and depression. They, they've improved, um, but but that is not an uncommon thing. And so if you are um, out of shape, that your concussion symptoms may be worse.
0: And um, it may be off topic, maybe related to what we're talking about, but what is the fencing response? So the fencing
1: response, you see this a lot actually in in, in football. Mm-hmm. And basically what happens is a person um, hits their head or their neck and th- this is a this is a concussion, okay? and their arms will extend upwards. They're laying on the ground and their arms are extended upwards. And they're just, they're out of it. They don't realize that it's happening. And the arms will stay up for several seconds before they come down. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of videos that you can watch on people having the fencing response. There was one recently um, at a I'm not going to name the school, but this was a um, big college up north. And this player got hit. He goes down uh, and his arms are extended for several seconds. And the problem was nobody recognized. Mm. Nobody saw it. Um, The people on the sideline supposedly didn't see it. Um, but this guy, this player went back in the game and that that was a big mistake. Mm-hmm. So it's important that um, you, people can recognize that and because it, that could have certainly led to a second impact syndrome. And this person could have certainly had a significant um, injury if he, especially if he had another blow.
0: And we, we briefly mentioned or touched on the brain fog as a side effect of concussion. Can a brain fog occur after a concussion? So brain,
1: brain fog is a very common complaint, and people describe it as uh, trouble focusing, trouble concentrating, trouble with their memory. And this is a very interesting concept. Uh, it's called default mode interference. And you have three brain networks. Mm -hmm. There's your default mode network, there's your central executive network, and then there's your salience network. And basically, think about it like a political debate. You have the Democrat on one side, the Republican on the other side, and then you have a moderator. The moderator is the salience network. It allows you to flip back from default mode to central executive. Default mode is you're daydreaming, you're you're thinking about what you're gonna do later today. You're very relaxed, you're very calm. The central executive network is kind of what I'm doing right now. I am really (laughs) focused on trying to do this well. So when you have a task at hand, you're using your central executive network. And so the default mode network and the central executive network, they're on a teeter-totter. When one is going, the other is off. what happens with a concussion is the default mode network does not turn off so when you try to concentrate when you try to do something you daydream you can't focus you can't concentrate and what happens is these two networks are active at the same time this results in an enormous amount of energy being used by the brain and it's just completely worth it It's, it's again go go back to the debate. When the two guys are talking at the same time, you can't hear anything. It's just a waste of energy and it's very frustrating. The salience network, the moderator needs to be able to switch back and forth when, you, when it needs to be. And that with a concussion, this brain fog is be, often because of default mode interference. It's interfering with your central executive network. It's interfering with your ability to uh, concentrate and focus on the task at hand.
0: Okay. All right, Dr. Bashuk, so in case someone suspects a possible traumatic brain injury or TBI, how can they locate your clinic, the concussion center? Do you have a website, social media sources, a phone number?
1: So we are uh, very close to I-85 and Claremont Road. We are at 2200 Century Parkway in Atlanta. Uh, Our website is concussionctr.com, and we are on Instagram, and our phone number is 404-946-9327. A fax is 833-941-2436, and we would be very happy to uh, help. Um, We will definitely get someone started on the Buffalo concussion treadmill test (laughs) or the bike test. Um, That that really is the centerpiece of what we do. But we also do lots of other things. We we have a vestibular. We we measure how the eyes, ears, and brain work together by measuring eye movements. And we do a lot of vestibular testing as well. So we have cognitive rehab here if need be, if somebody's having significant cognitive issues. So we, we try to do this as a multidisciplinary approach. It's not all about just the Buffalo concussion treadmill test, although that is a significant portion of what we do. Um, And then obviously we we have the three-pronged approach to managing headaches, but we try to take care of every aspect of concussion.
0: And that was so great, Dr. Bashuk. Thank you so much again for talking with me about concussion as a temporary energy deficit and about Buffalo concussion treadmill, way to treat post-traumatic headaches and for being my very special guest that it's time for more injury funding podcast. Be- but before we conclude today's episode, I have uh, one last question for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Uh, if you could be an animal, what would you be and why?
1: So I, I would like to be an orangutan. Okay. The reason is, is they are considered to be the smartest animals on earth besides humans. So I think I would like to be either an orangutan or an elephant because I think they're pretty smart as well.
0: That's amazing. Do you ever go to Atlanta Zoo?
1: I haven't been in a really, really long time, but I've been to Africa and I've seen all those animals and they're pretty impressive it's
0: fascinating which reminds me actually to go back to the zoo when my son was little we we had membership so it's it's time to go back he's my he's teenager now so it's been a while but and
1: my grandchildren go quite frequently so i need to go with
0: them let's do it let's do it doctor <laughs> again thank you so much for watching and listening to our story today about the uh the concussion and the temporary um, energy deficit and the buffalo concussion treadmill um for more tricks and uh, tips and tricks on on legal funding and personal injury related the topics, follow me, like, and subscribe at uh, More Injury Funding. And it's time for More Injury Funding Podcast. Also follow me on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Music, Google Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms worldwide. And also LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Pinterest, YouTube, Google Business Profile, and my website at moreinjuryfunding.com. That's with two O's. I can't wait to see and hear you, my dear listeners and viewers, soon. Until then, be well. Thank you. Thank you.